This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world, join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is John Hordisky. John is a digital sleuth, author, pundit, librarian, archivist, strategist, and government, I mean, government, management consultant. Maybe he is a government consultant. Who knows? John is an executive director with Salt Flats with executive management strategy experience in information management, including digital asset management, metadata and taxonomy design, content strategy, and analytics. He's the author of the recently published book, Metadata Matters. Thanks so much for joining me today, John. Thank you very much, Dan. It is a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to have you here. And we are going to be talking about one of those topics that most people just, you know, sort of want, 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 you know, Charlie Brown's teacher. Um, But we're going to try and change that during our conversation today and help people really understand the value uh, of metadata. So I I just want to start ground floor. What is metadata? Well, that's the best place to start, right? It's good to uh, always have a conversation begin with the foundational of what is it we're talking about? So metadata, the, the simplest, most basic description is data about data, uh, which is fun, but it is just way more than just data about data. So the, the NISO, National Institute of Standard Organization, actually breaks down metadata into three categories, which is uh, descriptive, uh, structural or technical, and then administrative. So data about data. So tell me more about what that means. So descriptive metadata could be what's the color, uh, what is it? Uh, where is it supposed to be? Um, what's the title of it? What year was it from? So that's like the descriptive stuff that you would see in an image, in a video, in a graphic, in a piece of marketing material. But then the structural part of metadata, that's when it gets a little bit more interesting. That's the, the size of the asset, the length of the video, uh, the audio quality, et cetera. So that's the other side of an uh, of what metadata can be. And the third part of what metadata is, it's the administrative part. That refers to such good things as rights management. What can I do or not do with a certain uh, piece of photography or a video or a graphic, et cetera? Is this for print? Is this for digital? Is it for social, et cetera? And the other part of administrative metadata is the stuff around Archival preservation. Do you want to have this asset, this image, this video, et cetera, saved? And if so, how do you want it to be saved? And et cetera, et cetera. So you put it all together, 
that's kind of what meditative is. But it, in fact, it even just is so much more, Diane. It's all about the accessibility of your content. And with metadata, you're able to do those things. So if you don't have metadata, you really got nothing. So you need metadata to find what you're looking for. Oh, fascinating. Okay. And one thing I just have to say is, given that this is one of those topics that, you know, most people aren't um, well-versed in, I will say, um, you know, good on you for being so enthusiastic about that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Someone has well, to be, right? Well, so my background uh, is, you know, I came to this world of digital content and metadata and all that good stuff is I'm a librarian and archivist, uh, you know, graduated in 2001. So I came to the world of classification and organization and metadata speaks to those values. Again, you have content on your e-commerce site, you have business documents, you want them to be found. Right. You're trying to sell something, you're trying to share something. That's where metadata comes in. And that's why it's so exciting because we all want our stuff to be found. So is that why metadata matters? Absolutely. It's, okay. It really does uh, uh, matter in the sense that uh, whether it's e-com, whether it's business, we've got content all over the place and we want it to be found and we want it to be used in whichever way it is. So there's many reasons that it matters. It matters because in our world where language changes, we want the metadata to be respectful of something in a certain place at a certain time. Many people have said that metadata is a snapshot in time. It tells us of what we know of something as of right now, September, 2022. In a few years, our products might have changed, your services might have changed, but the metadata will be that link to sort of say what it is at a certain point. And again, it gives you that ability to find it and to use it. So think of a big organization, any sort of big corporation, there's tons of content floating around, documents, images, videos. Metadata matters because it allows us to find those things and allow them to be used in the ways that they were supposed to be intended to. That's pretty important, I would say. I would too. Is, is this what the Wayback Machine uses? <laughs> exactly, right? Because uh, we've all, and we all know that uh, uh, we live in a big, complex, fascinating world, and we have many parts of our organizations, people in different departments. Sometimes we collaborate, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we have that kitchen drawer, you know, when you open it up and you're yeah. like, what is that stuff? But I do need those little two little things that you use to put corn on the cobs together with, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Businesses are just the same. Uh, they've got a lot of stuff floating around. So metadata is one way to bring them all together. And again, it's all about good access so we can use the stuff we're looking for because no one wants to say, hey, can you go make a logo when we've already got the logo? So why don't we yeah. just use the logo that we already have? You know, that type of an example. Okay, so how does uh, how does the metadata get created, I guess would be my question. So there is a great question. Two ways to look at it. One, uh, let's talk about content creation at that sort of level where an artist, a graphic designer, a photographer, a video editor, he, she, they upon creation, you know, they're doing a photo shoot in New York City for the fall 23 campaign. Uh, that photographer, editor, video person will be able to say today's date. Um, the shoot is for the fall campaign. This is the name of the brand. Uh, the, this is the artist and the talent that I'm taking photos or videos of. Here's their consent forms. Those are little bits of the metadata that they need. So right at the creation level, an artist at a desk, 
or on their laptop creating gorgeous, beautiful graphics, he, she, they will be able to go in and say, this is an image of a donut for a coffee campaign with this sort of uh, level of instructions. Right at content creation, that's where the metadata comes through. And on the consumer side of the house, even more interesting, when we use our, when we fly on an airplane, uh, what's my name? Uh, what's my seat preference? Uh, what type of luggage do I have? Uh, am I a frequent flyer? Those types of little bits of information about ourselves all become pieces of metadata. Spotify, any sort of music services that you're listening to, you'll be able to say, what are my preferences? What do I like? We see the little bits of metadata working together when you're on social media sites and all of a sudden it says, you know, here are things you like. How did they know that? Because the <laughs> metadata behind the scenes has already said, well, John loves to travel to Italy. He likes this type of music. It surfaces way back up. So that's how it got there. And um, that's not going to stop. That's going to keep on happening for us. So um, is this is going to sound like a crazy question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Yeah. So is it true that Alexa is actually listening to the conversations I'm having with my husband and then? If your phone is open right now, Alexa, Siri, all of them are listening. Absolutely. Wow. Um, test it one day. Put your phone open and just let the pretend you're going to write a text message. It's definitely listening. It's listening for keywords. And that's what it was intended to do. This very much dips into what is known as artificial intelligence or machine learning. So the machines are definitely listening and recording what we do because again if there's things that the robots are watching me do and they see that you know i'm a size medium i like you know black you know crew neck t-shirts or something it's gonna say i think that guy likes those things let's keep on giving him the things that he appears to like so um it's mm. it's it's happening it's not science fiction it's literally part of the world in which we live now wow Wow. I was afraid that was going to be the answer. So I know, right? <laughs> but it's but we can use metadata for good, right? Uh, okay, so let's talk about that. And yeah. let's talk about how businesses can use it and manage it for their benefit. It's interesting too. Um, obviously, there's differences in the generations. So, uh, you know, I'm a Gen X. We have millennials and Gen Z and Y coming up. Everyone was in the newer generations were born digital. So they've experienced the world of uh, music services for free and pennies, et cetera, et cetera. It's very different than some of us who are at a different age, including myself. But for businesses, they're looking at these types of things and seeing, well, where do people sit as consumers and for businesses? So we can be efficient and have metadata programs, again, to allow the opportunity for our businesses to manage their, their information much more efficiently. We don't want to say things where someone's saying, hey, can you go find me? That great campaign we did last year, it was spring, it was awesome. And it takes, you know, two, three, four, maybe a week to find it. Kind of not acceptable in 2022. We want to be able to say, oh yeah, it's over here. Metadata will allow businesses to be more efficient with their organization of information so they can find it better. So why do businesses have to take a consideration of metadata? It's efficiencies, it's return on investment. You want to see your organization creating things and doing other creative aspects of their opportunities, not wasting time trying to find something. Is it on my hard drive? Yikes, is it in one of our shared storage locations? Is it in the cloud, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we want our stuff to be found. And that's why metadata is so important for businesses because it's all about efficiency. I think that's a good reason. I think it's a great reason. Can, can businesses use it to gather information about their 
customers and their like website visitors or their social visitors? Absolutely. Now that's been going on for a while. Uh, uh, and it, it's a good thing because you, again, the business is trying to say, okay, so John Horodisky, I see you frequent our site a lot. Uh, you seem to have these type of purchasing um, uh, consistencies. We, we see a lot of the things you're doing. That's a good thing. And I think uh, especially uh, more and more people are getting used to that, that it's okay to say, I saw you bought that last time. Here's your sizes. Does this look good? Or here's some recommendations for you. Definitely businesses want to take advantage of that. Sometimes you opt in. Sometimes they ask for that from you. Sometimes they don't. That's a different discussion. Uh, <laughs> certainly there are new privacy laws that are coming yeah. into effect in certain places in the United States. Certainly Europe has GDPR for sure that talks about these issues, but definitely we want to have those moments where the businesses are saying, how can I engage with my audience better? Look at Netflix, look at these streaming services. They will watch what TV shows and movies you're streaming and sort of selecting because they want to see what's working for you, what's working for the general population, maybe in your region or your state. They're trying to offer at the best of intentions, better services to you. And the only way that you can do that is uh, by looking at the data and the metadata behind the scenes to offer those, let's just say a better experience going forward. Well, and I have to say that, that one of the best things that's happened recently is that Netflix sent me a message telling me that the Great British Baking Show was back. Nice. And I they know. and did you appreciate that? Were you like, thank you? Because <laughs> yeah. so now I don't a, have to go keep looking for it to see are they ever going to have more episodes. So. so that's a good use of where the metadata was watching yeah. itself and you're, and you're viewing tendencies and says, I think this individual might want to know that that show is back on. And that's a great use of where metadata can really help us out. Again, even like booking airline tickets is, you know, are you a window person or an owl person? That's not there for frivolous tendencies. It's really to say, hey, there's a few seats left in the plane. I know you're an owl person. I've got 16C. Is yeah. it yours today? That takes the stress away from my life. I don't know about you, but I love those types of opportunities where metadata works for me. Yeah, right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, so what do you say to a business owner who's listening to this and saying to themselves, okay, well, I need to get, you know, we need to start consciously doing something with that. Yeah. The first thing I would say, first of all, um, let's go have a cup of coffee, a nice tea, you know, start having a good conversation. Uh, I would say, let's get organized. And I say that uh, with full intent, let's get organized. Uh, businesses that are well organized in terms of storage locations, uh, what type of content they have. I like to refer to it as a content assessment. Let's go see what you have. How much stuff do you have? Where is that stuff? 
who has access to that stuff? Uh, the currency, is it 2022? Is it, you know, Dreamweaver files from 2001? I don't know, but let's go assess the content we have. And there from there, from that moment, any business owner would be able to then say, okay, I now I know what the landscape looks like. I see where the stuff is. Let's talk about optimizing that. Let's say if it's in you know four different locations, maybe we put it into one location. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's, you know, I sometimes people will do things on their desktops with folders according to date. Sometimes people will just put it as like my favorites. Let's go look at the way we as an organization name our stuff and see if there are consistencies for an organization to be more optimized in how we organize our content. So again, we can have shared experiences and better access to our information. So my first recommendation would be is, let's go talk about this. Let's go see what content we have. Let's get organized. That's a good place to start. I think so, because boy, as you were talking about that, I was thinking in so many organizations, um, each person makes up their own mind about how they're going to label folders and, and right. how they're going to store stuff. And so who knows, who knows? you know, if it's not consistent. Then... So, so let's look at an example with that. Uh, in many organizations, the sales team will call their presentation slide decks. You know, oh, I need a slide deck for this conference I'm going to. Other people yeah. will refer to it as presentations. So what yeah. do you do if... The, the organization is split and people are looking, you know, I'm looking for those decks, but they were tagged with metadata of presentations. They're not going to find it. So let's get people in a room and say, here's some of our content. How do we decide what this is? Um, fun example, in the United States, we would call it chips. If you're in the UK, you would say crisps. Same thing, but a different name. So let's be understanding of you know, for those people listening today who might, who might be in a sort of a global context, how do we identify our content in a global situation where there might be different words being used? There might be cultural factors that we need to consider and how we describe our content in a global audience. And I think that's, to me, that thing, it's a fun opportunity for organizations to start thinking more carefully about their content that they have. Um, I, I do too. And I was, it's funny that you just said that because one of my questions is, um, with all the recent work in, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, how does that affect metadata for businesses? That's an excellent question, Diane. It is very much on the top of mind of many organizations, all brands, whether it's uh, CPG retail, whether it's media entertainment, insurance, uh, pharma, healthcare, everyone is now looking very carefully at the content they have in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion, and even accessibility. How does it affect the content? We may have used words in the past to describe content that are words that we don't say anymore uh, for good reason. Uh, some fun examples, you know, the Oscars used to have to say, <clears throat> and the Os- and the winner is. Well, yeah. they changed it in 92 to say, everyone's a winner. Let's just say, and the Oscar goes to. Um, what was once known as a venereal disease then became the sexually transmitted disease during the AIDS epidemic. And right now they refer to it as sexually transmitted infection. The name change reduces the stigma that was being used with the other words. Even the additional things of cisgender and transgender are brand new words to our language that we have to consider in the right context. So again, uh, with the with Black Lives Matters, a lot of people started to look more closely at the content they have and said, are we using words that are representative of the type of words that we should be using in 2022? And it's exciting to see in, the, in all industries now that people are taking a real concerted effort to say, 
is this the right term? And if we don't know the answer, let's talk about it. When I see a photograph, how do I define the people in that photograph? Do I provide race, to a sexual orientation? I don't know. Let's talk about it as a group and figure out more ways to be more respectful in the types of words that we're using to describe our content. So this can actually be a great place for companies to be able to have oh. an honest exchange that isn't necessarily emotional because it, you know, it, it gives them a, um, a business case to be exploring. Yeah. Uh, again, it's 2022. Uh, there are different words to be used in some of the to describe our stuff. This goes all the way up the chain when the creative brief is being, uh, you know, initially created at that level of who they want to be in the images, how is it supposed to look. So again, with the consent forms uh, of like, you know, people being models and release forms, do they self identify? Are they saying who they are? Because uh, un unfortunately, sometimes in marketing, we assume a lot of stuff. So we assume when we see something on a on an image or a campaign, we assume who they really are. Um, that's the type of thing we want to sort of avoid. And, and also the, the, the miscellaneous or other category. I saw during last election, a very well-known news organization with three letters, uh, I will say no more. They had on the screen of like who the demographics were and it was white, black, Asian, and then other. Well, who's the other? That's yeah. we, we know who the other is. So let's just take the graphic, spend a few more minutes and list the other. So it's an opportunity for businesses to look at their content and say, let's be more inclusive. Let's identify and make a better uh, a statement of our brand to our consumers. Because you know what? Consumers love to, uh, to be identified. You'll have a better campaign. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Now, this, this may be totally off topic, but because I don't really understand this stuff, <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> whether it is or not. So I'm going to ask the question anyway. What is the metaverse? Oh, goodness gracious. Yes. Uh, are you in the metaverse yet, Diane? Are you there or are you no. going to be? You don't know? Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> so the metaverse, it's, it's, Again, you know, we talked a little earlier about artificial intelligence and, you know, what was once science fiction is actually really happening now. Well, the metaverse is another part of that. So the metaverse is happening. It's, a, it's not totally organized, but it's just another opportunity to have a virtual experience with one's brand. So the metaverse is a virtual place where people could go. Um, and participate in activities and play. We saw the rise of NFTs, the non-fungible tokens, as they're referred yeah, to. I'm sorry, but I really don't get that. <laughs> so an organization create a unique property. It could be a, it could be an image of something. It could be the first tweet that was ever sent, and you would own this NFT because it's a unique item. It's sort of like collecting things. But NFTs are very much part of the metaverse because it's all about a unique, interesting experience. My interesting, what I find interesting about the metaverse is that all the brands and many people in your audience who are listening today will say, well, do I go in the metaverse and how do I participate? Are there rules? Are there, is there governance around some of the things in the metaverse? Do I use my logo properly? Um, am I using my brand in the right way? Because it is going to be a channel for discussion. It's still in its infancy, but what was once, you know, print ads or TV ads, you know, then we have things like social media. That was another channel to produce your, to sort of push your content to. And now we have the metaverse. So again, it's another opportunity for brands to consider 
playing in, engaging with their audience. But my caution is just be careful uh, of how you go into the metaverse. Again, it's all linked to your assets, which have good metadata behind it. This just make sure that if you're going to go into the metaverse, you have some planning before you go there. Because again, it is sort of like a wild territory that's not necessarily governed. So let's just be careful before we go into that space. Exciting to see it happen. Uh, let's, you know, let's talk again in a year and see where the metaverse has taken us, though. I'd be curious to see myself where it goes. Yeah, me too, because I don't know. I, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. But I it comes back to the metadata part. Hmm? Yeah. So make sure, again, this is all, as I said at the beginning, this is all about the, your ability to organize your information so you can use it in the, the ways you're trying to intend it to. So the metaverse is going to be filled with a lot of metadata. People trying to find things, do things, share things, buy things. Let's just make sure if you're going to go in there, the metadata is there to support your efforts in this virtual space of the metaverse. Yeah, and I, I really love this. Um, just make sure you know what you're going to do with it or why you want to go there because it isn't necessarily for everyone right now. Maybe right. It means, uh, right. Not everyone went West when. Correct. Right. And I think it's, it's a cautionary tale, you know, metadata know before you go, let's see what happens. But again, uh, at some point marketing departments and other people will be saying, we need to be there. We need to get in there and start seeing where people could interact with our brand before our competitors get in there. So again, mm -hmm. it is an opportunity to, to participate. It's just a cautionary tale of make sure you're prepared to go into the metaverse. It's the same cautionary tale, Diane, that I would tell people with artificial intelligence. Those robots are there and they wanna help out and they're being fed data. All I'm saying is make sure the robots are being fed good metadata. The better the robots have that, the better they will be to learn and the machines will get stronger and stronger over time. And I'm just gonna call it out. I think AI is great. But I also love human beings. Let's make sure there's some human beings beside the robots to do quality checks on an ongoing basis. Humans, you know, I still believe in them. I think they're great. Let's just make, <laughs> let's just make sure they work with the robots on an ongoing basis. Humans. No doubt. I'm totally right? with you on that. Yeah. There's right? some things I think you just can't automate. You know? No. Yeah. I absolutely agree with that. Absolutely. Just make sure there's humans watching it so they can just make sure. We all know there's many case studies to show that AI sometimes makes mistakes. We as humans, we make mistakes as well, but let's just make sure the two work in tandem so they can yeah. uh, do the best they can going forward. So that's yeah. good. That's good metadata get, to get us there. Yeah. I'm so with you on that one. Oh my gosh, John, this was great. I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate having this conversation with you so that you know, I can learn, the listeners can learn this. These are definitely things we need to be able to wrap our brains around because it's only getting more so, not less. So. Right. Right? Excellent. Thank you very much, Dan. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. Absolutely. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. 
My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.